So Matt will have me listen to Bianca has sent me Future of the Left Travels with Myself and Another Opeth Orchid Never heard of that band, never heard of that album Very excited to check it out I really have no idea what it's going to be like I've heard of Opeth I remember Tim Turry, I used to work with a game informer I think was a big fan So I'm vaguely familiar with them I think they're kind of like dramatic metal or something like that Anyway, it should be fun We'll rock out, it'll be good So thank you Matt for the suggestion Or should I say the order I have no choice but to listen to this Welcome to Min Tracks, the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. We're part of the uh, the MinMax family, and today uh, we're happy to be joined by a special guest, Bianca Reichert. Yes, sir. Happy to be here. Yeah, and it, oh, I forgot. I'm Matt Helgeson, the host. Jason, <laughs> Jason Daphnis, the uh, producer, is also on the line. Uh, welcome back. It's been fun. It, it's our second episode. Uh, I think we did the first one two weeks ago which feels like a year ago so anyway bianca is a, a friend of the minmax family and we're excited to have you so thanks for uh stopping by oh thank you so much i am a friend and a fan of minmax so it's a pleasure to be here and i'm very excited to contribute in the very small meager way that i can oh no come on it's gonna be great you are more than half of this episode at this point Exactly. That's true. I should give myself more credit. <laughs> um, Step aside, Helgeson. It's yeah, not hey, true. No, hey, I, mean, <laughs> I had it was a good run, but my time's done. Um, so uh, Bianca, uh, she's involved with a lot of things. She, uh, you work in um, the video game industry as a consultant. I do. Yeah, the secretive world of video game consulting. Um, I can't really talk about what I do, but I can say that I uh, work with Nguy Kroll, who's a genius. And um, yeah, I mean, we do a lot of stuff in the shadows, you know, try to make video games better for everyone. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's really cool to get to work with incredibly smart people, people who are way smarter than me. Um, Yeah. So yeah, it's it's very, very cool. Right. And not to, I mean, obviously... You work under a lot of confidentiality. You see things, you know, well in advance of the time that they are released or finished. But in broad terms, companies in the industry retain your company's services to kind of give them maybe insights or input or things of that nature about their games that are in development. Yeah, I think what it is is video game development is like the hardest thing I mean, I think there's like brain surgery and then video game development. It's insane that any video game gets made ever. So yes. these people are so like head down in development. I think it helps to have outside people come and just like share their impressions and their insight. And, um, you know, typically these people are industry veterans, people like that would be, you know, uh, former media guys, like, like the game informer guys. Um, I have no background. I'm purely a consultant. Uh, so um, yeah, it's, it's helpful in that regard. I think it's not like, I, I think a lot of times we're just kind of reaffirming what they already kind of know, but yeah, it's advantageous to have the, you know, uh, extra set of eyes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely become more prevalent in the last, you know, 15, 10, 15 years. So it's, a, it's a, an important part of the industry that I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, and in addition to uh, being a video game consultant, uh, Bianca and uh, her husband, Dan Reichert, uh, also do uh, their own podcast. It's called Panning the Stream, and it's 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 a pretty unique uh, movie podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? 
Yeah, sure. We um, we cover movies and TV or shows that are on streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu and Prime and all that good stuff. Um, it runs the gamut from really good stuff like Criterion Collection, worthy and uh, utter shit to like the trashiest reality TV show you could possibly imagine. Um, we have a lot of fun tangential conversations. And if you miss Dan on the, the Beast cast or the Bomb cast, you're welcome to join us. You'll get your Dan fix there. Um, you could see us at uh, www.patreon.com uh, slash panning the stream or on Twitter at pan the stream. Um, that's our handle there. So we'd love for you to come check us out. Absolutely. And again, thanks for uh, you know being part of this podcast. We encourage everyone to go over there and, and support what you guys are doing uh, with panning the stream. So Thanks, man. Um, cool. Well, another thing I think that we just want to quickly touch on is that um, Bianca actually has a, a, a more direct connection to uh the music industry uh your brother is actually um in a somewhat notable band so why don't you tell us a little bit about that oh yeah so my brother tom is in uh, thank you scientist he's like the band leader and the guitar player um i'm so proud of him i love i love talking about thank you scientist literally nothing in the world makes me prouder than that band they're just incredible and uh to me it's like the culmination of all his hard work throughout his whole life um, he's just dedicated his life to playing the guitar, and he's just amazing at it. Uh, it's just the bo- the music they make is positively bonkers. And removed from him being my brother, I'm still a huge Thank You Scientist fan. Even if I didn't know Tommy, um, I would I would be in love with that band. So uh, yeah, they they just released Terraformer last year, and um, it's my one of my favorite albums now it's it's incredible i, I know everyone's home now because of the quarantine i strongly recommend checking that album out just sit back and go through the whole thing it's an incredible journey it's amazing if you like prog rock if you like jazz i mean it, it really it, it's i i'm reluctant to call it prog rock because it's kind of there's so much going on yeah. um but j- just check it out for yourself if you appreciate really good musicianship you will you will really be into thank you scientist yeah, I remember actually, I think it's probably the first time I met you. I think you guys were up here maybe in the summer. And I think we were at the Game Informer offices. And uh, Dan was like, yeah, you should check out Bianca's brother. And like just pulled up a YouTube video. And I was like, whoa. Like, mm-hmm. it's He's got serious chops. Yeah, he, he plays that. I, I think he probably showed you the solo from the, the, the fretless solo from the song Terraformer. Yeah, he, he's really good. He's very modest. He would never admit how good he is, but um, he's incredible. He's just one of the best guitar players out there. Yeah, it's definitely, it's interesting. Kind of proggy, kind of jazzy. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe, I don't know if he's like a, reminded me of Frank Zappa, some of his stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's a, a huge Zappa fan, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, I definitely got that kind of like jazz fusion kind of prog rock vibe it's but yeah it's it's really and actually jason you're just you were a fan even before you knew there was a connection right i did uh, i was quite surprised last when we considered bianca as a guest because i have listened to thank you scientists since like 2014 2015 actually oh, when i first awesome. yeah when i first came to the cities and i've always loved uh, like prog and, uh, and jazz and rock are great ways to describe them but there's like a real smart pop sensibility in there that makes the songs mm-hmm. actually like incredibly catchy and very memorable uh, i've always appreciated that about them i caught them at the varsity theater up here in minneapolis a couple of years back when they opened for another band i love um uh closure in moscow because they came mm-hmm. from um, they came from uh, 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 all the way from New Zealand or Australia, wherever they're from. Uh, so it was great to catch both of those uh, great acts. And man, what your brother does on record, frankly, com- pales in comparison to seeing it on stage. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. And honestly, Jason, uh, like 
a, I want to say like half the band um, changed, the lineup changed uh, prior to Terraformer. And so Terraformer has this whole new set of, of, of musicians. And when they play live their old material, it's completely new. They change it up so much. These guys are just on like a god tier of musicianship. It's insane to see. And not to mention, like, I know their albums by heart, obviously. And when I see it live, just to pick up on all the, the ways they change it up and, you know, make parts faster, obviously improvise the solos, like, it's really, really awesome to see. If you ever have the opportunity to see Thank You Scientist live, I highly, highly recommend it. For sure, for sure. The uh, horn section alone is worth catching live. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so um, now we're going to, I think we're going to kick it off with uh, Bianca's selection. And Bianca, you kind of, we were chatting a, a bit on Slack, and your taste, I think, run to kind of metal, progressive metal, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, I definitely gravitate toward heavier music. Um, I'm reluctant to call myself a metal fan because I feel like so much metal is kind of shitty. It's just kind of noise and I don't know. It, it seems just like fast and thrashy just for the sake of being that. And uh, so I, I like, I really like certain metal bands. <laughs> um, I'm really into doom, uh, doom metal and uh, death metal, prog metal. Um, but I also, you know, I have my taste very wildly. I, I really like world music and electronic music and grunge and, and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's pretty varied. And I think if you listen to Orchid, it's kind of kind of an encapsulation of that because there's so many different sounds going on there. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you want to just like jump right into it or. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, and, and you mentioned Orchid, Orchid uh, by the band Opeth. Uh, who I was not familiar with, but I know, you know, I'd heard the name. Um, I know they're really like a, a very popular and big band within the metal scene mm -hmm. for a long time. Um, this album, I believe, is what, 96, 95? Uh, yeah, um, 95. Yeah. And uh, so it, it was really funny. It was way different than I thought because you, I think you sort of <laughs> described it as death metal. Yeah. And my only really experience with death metal was I was washing dishes at this place called Big Bob's in my hometown. Uh -huh. And there was this guy, Jonathan Mullally, and he was like a super death metal guy. He had a band called Necrosis with his friends. And so he was like always, we were always washing dishes and he was just like blaring this like death metal. But I think it was like the super, I don't know, like morbid angel and mm -hmm. like death and obituary. And it was just like super noisy. And like, so I don't know. It was kind of this almost hellish vibe because it was like, we were washing dishes, so it was all steamy and like ninety, <laughs> and he's just like blaring it out of like terrible like boombox and stuff. So oh boy, so well, this I, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's very different. I actually love Death. Death is one of my favorite bands. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's hard to categorize it. It was so different when it came out. Um, it's kind of, I mean, it, I I classify it if I have to classify it as anything as kind of like prog death metal. Um, but really, I think it falls under the umbrella of extreme metal, which is kind of a blanket term, I guess. It's for whatever doesn't fit into the, uh, you know, black metal, uh, thrash metal, death metal labels nicely. It kind of gets put under the extreme metal umbrella now. But back then, they didn't really have a name for it. Um, but when Orchid came out, there really wasn't a lot of bands that were um, experimenting with, you know, a lot of these kind of juxtaposing sections and you know really i mean the songs on this album first first of all just on a macro level the songs on these, this album are very long they're, they're like I, <laughs> I think at least 10 minutes each right or except yeah, oh. for like the musical interludes right once like once it's funny you say that because uh 
the first time I put it on, you know, like everyone else, I'm around the house, just kind of puttering around a lot now. So I was mm-hmm. gonna like, oh, just like load the dishwasher and pick up the house. So I. What is it with phone. you listening to death metal and washing dishes? It's just I think they go well together. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, anyway, so I just threw it on my, off my phone on the speakers, and I was kind of just you know doing my thing, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, wow, like these these first few songs have been pretty cool, and then I looked at my phone and it was like. Like this is only the second song. Like, what, like, I, like, I, I literally thought there was like three songs with uh-huh. the, the in the in the mist she was standing. The first song, um, right. which I guess we could maybe start pulling that up. But uh, I mean, they definitely come out, and it, it is you're right. It's definitely like a mix of a lot of things, like you know maybe death metal, prog, goth, maybe you know even some like almost European folk music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean. It, like these guys, they have a lot going on. It's it's very ambitious. It is, uh, and you period. have to remember too. This is their debut album. This is their very first album, and Opeth is a really interesting band in that. I mean, they're they're they've been around for so long now. They've been around for twenty five years, and if you are familiar with their their entire discography, it, it you can kind of break it up into different sections, like in, of their musical evolution in a way. And I think that a lot of people either gravitate toward their, um, uh, well, I call it like the, the Blackwater Park era, Opeth, which is like right in the middle. And then their more recent albums are more just like straight up prog rock, kind of like stoner rock, acid okay. rock. Um, that don't have any death, uh, any harsh vocals in them whatsoever. So I think people kind of gravitate toward either the um, the middle era or the more recent era. And their first two albums, Orchid and Morning Rise, are so different. They're they're not really. I feel like they're not really appreciated as much as they should be because, um, as I was saying before, they, they did something that really wasn't done. I mean, there there was bands that were experimenting with harsh vocals and clean vocals. But the clean vocals would just be like a, kind of an accent. There wasn't really a predominant part of the music like it is here. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, we should maybe let people hear some. Say, I think that, you know, if, if it's kind of a mission statement, I think that they come out really kind of stating what they're about with the first song mm-hmm. in the Miss She Was Standing. Um, and I, I had Jason, I think we were going to hear just from the very beginning. And then um, to kind of contrast that, a part uh, about 10 minutes and four, which is funny to say <laughs> at about 10 minutes, 45 seconds, there's sort of uh, an acoustic part that I thought was, uh, it's like really pretty and, um, mm-hmm. and sort of indicative of the, maybe the contrast that are in the music. So why don't we, why don't we pull it up? Awesome. Another thing I, I like is that they're uh, they have very melodic kind of lead lines. I think mm-hmm. is cool. It's so much more melodic than than it was than, than death metal was at that time. Um, yeah, the, 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 it's the juxtaposition of like these be- these really heavy parts and these beautiful acoustic parts. Yeah, and I mean, uh, yeah, I really like uh, some of their leads. Like they're almost kind of harmony leads. Even remind me of like throwback to older metal stuff like you know kind of iron maiden judas priest kind of stuff like that you know yeah. but in, a, in a more of a death metal kind of style but just really strong i think they have strong melody writing in general even in the in the parts that are really like really heavy and really fast mm-hmm. um and i think jason we're going to go over to like ten forty-five because this this they do this a lot i think on the album i notice is like they they kind of weave in and out of like very heavy parts into very quiet acoustic stuff and back 
Right. It's really pretty. But yeah, I wonder, have they ever made like, I mean, I feel like these guys could almost make a like an acoustic record. It would be really compelling. Well, in the middle of their uh, like uh, Blackwater Park era, kind of in my mind, I kind of consider it prime Opeth. It, they released this album called Damnation, and they recorded it at the same time as uh, the sister album, Deliverance. And Deliverance is one of their heaviest albums ever, and Damnation is not. It, it, I wouldn't say it's a straight-up acoustic album. It's not an acoustic album, but it's very much uh, more... I don't know. I, I don't want to call it a prog rock album because I think their more recent stuff is more prog rocky. but it, it's it's their sound, but with no death death vocals, really. It's it's really interesting. It, it's, an, it's kind of a... A bit of an anomaly in their discography, but it seems to be one of the most popular albums. I mean, I, I get it; it's it's more accessible to not have the harsh vocals. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's funny you mentioned Iron Maiden. Like when this album came out, and and they're a Swedish band. I don't know if you you knew that. You probably- yeah, I'd, I'd looked up you know just some basic Wikipedia stuff, but you know, yeah. I don't even know them. Yeah, I mean, there's it's, Sweden was is a hotbed for for death metal. Um, but when this album came out, there was this like metal scene in Stockholm that was really influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal. And that's like Iron Maiden that you mentioned earlier, you know, Motorhead, Saxon, that kind of stuff. And then kind of a little bit after that, there was this more melodic sound coming out of Gothenburg. And I don't know if you ever heard of like Dark Tranquility and At the Gates in Flames, like that's kind of there but i i feel like opeth yeah, is right good. yeah yeah opeth is kind of right in the middle of that because it incorporates all those different sounds the more melodic stuff and the heavier stuff and also you know i mean uh, adjacent to sweden is norway right and they're they're all about black metal so there's definitely a black metal sound at least in the vocals for sure um yeah but uh, yeah thing- it, no go, go right ahead oh just one other thing it kind of reminded me of because you mentioned the new wave of british heavy metal and the, like another band that was influenced by them a lot like one thing that they do a lot with the acoustic stuff reminds me of like do you know the, uh, the beginning of master puppets by metallica mm-hmm. with battery where it comes in with like those spanish guitars yes i love that you know kind of like, <laughs> really hard like, they seem like that i don't know they do that sort of thing a lot yeah totally yeah I, I, that's what that's probably what always appealed to me so much about opeth is that contrast because i don't like an onslaught of heaviness i love heaviness when it's couched in you know more beautiful sections and i feel like orchid is kind of this assemblage of des- disparate parts like parts that don't necessarily go together um but when taken as a whole it's it's kind of just about the atmosphere and it's that contrast that makes it so appealing to me. Um, I think lyrically, if you want to talk about the lyrics, I don't know if you looked up the lyrics, but 
<laughs> the lyrics I did are not, and I yeah. couldn't really make a lot of them out, to be honest. Well, they're total black metal nonsense. <laughs> the lyrics are really bad. Um, but, you know, these guys, they were maybe 19 or 20 when they wrote this album. So they weren't very refined when it comes to that stuff. And, or I should say Michael Eckerfeld, the, the main songwriter, wasn't. And I think that also is demonstrated through the songwriting itself. It's so kind of uh, meandering at times and excessive. And like I said, the, the things don't really go together, but I, I still like it. And I find it so charming. The, the production values are really kind of shitty. Like the guitar sounds, everything sounds so thin. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it sounds so like grungy. And But I, I feel like it works really well with the music. I, I, I don't know about you, but I tend to gravitate towards like uh, when you could hear the the bass fart a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, like, definitely. I love that sound. Um, oh, but the speaking of bass, the bass on this album is just so fucking bonkers. It's like he's just noodling. I think uh, it's Johan Di Farfalla or something. I might be getting his name wrong, but he's just kind of noodling these crazy jazz licks. And if you just like listen to yeah, Orchid and just try to pay attention like- to what's going on with the bass. <laughs> No, I did notice that, especially a couple parts where they, Hello? there's a few parts where they kind of let him, can you hear me? Oh yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Um, there are a couple parts I noticed with the bass where they kind of, it's not really a bass solo, but they let him kind of, it's mm-hmm. pretty bare and like, yeah, he def, he definitely is not just doing like the kind of like Slayer downstrokes, you know, 16th note kind of thing or 32nd note thing. He's, yeah. he's definitely very, I really want to, I really want to point that out. Can I play a little song clip of my own? This is one that I did not approve in the main tracks. Uh, Go ahead. Feed <laughs> but like specifically the bass on this album, I, I play bass. So does Matt. So we're, I'm assuming that we're both kind of looking for the same things in songs. Generally, uh, we have basically identical musical tastes. Um, I'm assuming, but anyway, <laughs> we, uh, so when I was listening to track two under the weeping moon, uh, around seven minutes into that song, again, a really funny thing to say about a song, but seven minutes into that song of this nine minute, 52 second song, something happens with, um, the rhythm and the bass. And I- I'll just play it so you can like, you already know what I'm talking about, but I'll play it for the listener's benefit because it is just nuts to hear. <laughs> Just with those few bass riffs, just that like chromatic slapping sound, it, it's like Primus in the middle of this metal song. It's just, <laughs> it really grabbed my yeah. ear. Like I gave each of these albums a good listener few, and that one that stuck out to me like crazy. Yeah, that that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, Jason, too. I think the music could definitely be louder. Uh, I'll try to make it louder. Or you could be louder just in general too. Okay. We want you to scream, Jason. Yeah. We this, want you. Yeah. To, yeah, there you yeah. Go. Thank you. <laughs> Was but uh, it's it's funny that you say that it's it's uh it's interesting to point out a seven minute mark in a song because on their next album Morning Rise um, they have a song that's twenty minutes long. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's an EP. That's not a song. That's yeah. not, you know what it is. I will say it's it's worthy of that twenty minutes. It is a journey. It takes you places. It's it's a fucking awesome song. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah, oh, that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome song. Yeah. But it, it, Opeth is just, like I said, I think it's a symptom of just them being kind of young and immature and not really thinking about uh, the totality of what's going on, that it's so many different parts, but I, I kind of think, think of it as different little vignettes and different little 
almost like mini movie soundtracks in each song. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I wanted to actually use on the same song, but um, you mentioned prog rock. And I, I mean, there's definitely times on the album where I feel like these guys probably are, you know, pretty into like Pink Floyd or maybe things like that. I'm not sure if they are, but uh, there was like a 309 of Under the Weeping Moon. Sometimes they get these kind of most trippy, very kind of like prog psychedelic segments too, which I thought was a, another interesting way that they switch it up. Yeah, I like the kind of atmospheric kind of guitar swells and things like that. It reminds me of almost like David Gilmore a little bit. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned this part. This is one of my favorite parts of the song. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 really cool. I, that part kind of stuck out to me for some reason. Yeah, um, yeah, right on. I guess I think we should probably too because I feel like we maybe played a lot of different parts. I think I had on on Twilight is my robe. I think about three fifteen ish, just to kind of hear them maybe going more full out because I mean they are a metal band and they're a death metal band and you know it's not mm-hmm. all acoustic interludes and things like that because mm-hmm. like they get they get it's you know can get pretty crazy at times as well. Oh, wait, that's another interlude. Sorry. <laughs> hey, it's a beautiful interlude. It, it is. is interlude. It is. Yeah, but I mean, these songs, I mean, which you kind of mentioned, I think it's probably, I'm assuming one of the things that it attracted you is they, they are sort of very up and down kind of journeys. Uh, they're not, they don't really stay static at a certain part really for that long. You mm-hmm. know, usually it's maybe a, if you wait like, like a couple minutes, it's going to go into something totally different. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I'm not a musician. Um, like, you're a musician, right, Matt? I, I thought I heard Jason mention I mean, that. Kind of, yeah, kind of. I If I were a musician, I feel like if I wrote a really good riff, I'd want to, like, put that in my pocket for a song. But in, instead of that, like, Michael Eckerfeld just put all the really good riffs he could possibly think of in each song instead of, like, saving a few for the next album. It's like, what's all the awesome crap I can think of? And I'll just put it all here at once. Um, it's, it seems like, I don't know, I guess some people could consider it overkill. I think it works really well, but there are just so many freaking awesome riffs in this, in this album. Um, and Morning Rise follows suit. I actually think Morning Rise is probably a better album. Um, but I just love the grittiness of Orchid. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty impressive. Um, Jason, I think the next thing I want to play was at 810 of Twilight is my robe. Um, but you know, just as a a first album, it's, I mean, (laughs) it's a real, piece of work for your first album in a real statement it's insane and not to mention like the fact that this really hadn't been 
done this way before. And they were so young. You know what I mean? It's just unfiltered, unrefined, raw creativity. I just love it. Yeah, so that's a pretty good indication of them more fully rocking out, I'd mm-hmm. say. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was one of those bands I'd heard of, and um, I was really, I was really glad you brought it up because it was, it was probably not something I would have sought out. Um, I kind of, at a certain point with metal, I kind of, I don't know, I just fell off it for for whatever reasons, you know, after sort of like maybe Metallica and Slayer and that kind of thing. But, right. um But yeah, it's really as ambitious, um, you know. Yeah, I really I, I listened to it quite a bit. I really ended up enjoying it this week, just checking it out. I mean, there's a few things like I don't know if that that kind of like rah, like banshee kind of whale thing is mm-hmm. ever like my super favorite for vocals, but I, I definitely like got into it. And um, yeah, I mean, they're they're it's a very unique band, and it was definitely not it was not what I expected it was going to be for sure. Yeah, and Matt, if you're into it at all, um, and the vocals don't really do it for you, I highly recommend going deeper in the, into their discography because as the albums are released, um, the vocals they they evolve, and the clean vocals definitely get way better. He gets way better at singing clean vocals, and the um, harsh vocals they get more guttural. But what I always loved about um, Opeth's harsh vocals is that you can always kind of distinguish what they're saying. It's not just, it's like, burr, 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 you know, yeah, like, yeah. like devourment, like some death metal bands are, you know what I mean? Like you can't really make out what they're saying at all. Um, but yeah, check out, you know, if you're into it at all, check out my arms, your hearse. It's probably my favorite album from them. And then just go from there. Um, like I said, there's their music changes a lot, uh, from heritage moving forward. Um, I don't blame them. It probably there's probably only so much you can do with this kind of formula, okay. uh, and it's it's still really good music. It's just I feel like without the harsh vocals, it's missing a, a texture that I really want and that I really liked from Opeth. So yeah, I Did- would say I would say that this has been my favorite, um, my, the most important band in my life. I mean, I heard wow. Orchid when I was 13 years old, <laughs> and I've been listening to Opeth ever since. So yeah, they've wow. been a huge part awesome. of my life. Um, I take it that you mean um, as they've sort of evolved and they're still an active band, right? They're still making records and touring and things like that. Oh yeah. Dan and I just saw them um, a few weeks ago at the Apollo theater. At the Apollo. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun <laughs> Um But uh, have they sort of, I mean, I don't know. This is just another easy example, like Metallica, like at, at, like when they did the black album, they kind mm-hmm. of streamlined their sound a little bit and made it maybe more accessible mm-hmm. or are they sort of like, do they write more concise, like four, five, six-minute type songs now? Or <laughs> um, they, they they're definitely more concise. I wouldn't say they're like the traditional verse, chorus, verse kind of thing. Um, but I feel like the turning point when they became really popular was with Ghost Reveries, uh, which I think was released in two thousand five. Um, and then from then on, they kind of had like a really big uh, following in the metal community, and, and their music definitely became more accessible. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, like I said, the Orchid and Morning Rise are the two albums in which it has this really meandering song structure and then moving forward, it's more refined and, and more condensed and, uh, more thoughtful. You know, I think, I don't know if you want to transition into future of the left, but, you know, I was thinking, uh, with future of the left compared to Orchid, I feel <laughs> yes. like there's, there's no excess at all on, on, um, travels with myself and another, it's, it's just so thoughtfully made and, 
I, I, do you want to get into it now? I, I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think we kind of we're wrapping up with with Opeth. So yeah, let's get into it. So I, I was actually very curious because like this band, some people, you know, you know, you have certain bands that you like where you're just like, if somebody doesn't like them, your thought is just, you're such an idiot. How can you not like this band? <laughs> There's other bands I like a lot where I'm sort of like, yeah, I, I get, can it. get it. I can get why they could drive some you know people nuts a little bit, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so the basic background. Um, Andrew Falkus, uh, aka Falco, um, he's been around. He's a well. They're a Welsh band. Uh, his original band was called McCluskey. That was very, very big in the, like, the late '90s, early 2000s. Um, they had a band, uh, album called McCluskey Do Dallas. And then the difference between you and me is I'm not on fire. Um, and then he formed Future of the Left. And um, this is uh, this was the time that I think I saw this band for the first time, and it was this uh, incredible show at the Turf Club in St. Paul. Um, he had a terrible flu and he'd gone to, there's a CVS next door mm-hmm. and drunk like a bunch of cold medicine and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he was visibly just like, you know, <laughs> pale and sweating and they just proceeded to like, I thought they would maybe just try to play like five songs and they proceeded to play like well over an hour wow. and just like absolutely like maniacal. And he just kept saying how good you couldn't get like good cough medicine in, in England. Um, <laughs> And like, so anyway, it was just, they made a big impression on me. I really, um, I don't know. I, I, I love him as a lyricist. I love how like it, it's kind of played at this punk intensity, but unlike a lot of punk, which is sort of like pretty simplistic and kind of maybe sometimes sloppy, they're like super precise and almost kind of like machine-like. Um, and they, they have pretty good hooks for how abrasive it can be. And so I don't know. I, I just, and also something just about his lyrics, I, I really I think he's a great lyricist. So I'm so, so curious that, to hear what you think. Yeah. Oh, well, first of all, um, I'm very grateful for your assigning of this album because this is one of those albums that I never would have listened to myself. You know, I like to think of myself as open-minded, but I don't think I ever would have encountered this through the music that I listened to. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're not super popular. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I'm just curious. Do you mean to say that the first time you ever heard this band was live? Um, no, I mean, I, I, I'd fo- I've been following them um, because I like McCluskey, his previous band. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, just a lot of times, you know, bands from um, the UK just don't make it, especially like, well, you, you're out on the East Coast, so it's probably a little better. But a lot of you know, UK bands don't really make it through the cornfields that often. So they think they had a couple albums out before I had a chance to see them. And, okay. you know, I had sort of, you know, sometimes when you don't, you, you, you want to see a band for a couple albums and you don't get a chance to see them, so you have very, like, high expectations and mm-hmm. kind of psyched up for it. So it was mm-hmm. kind of one of those shows and it totally eclipsed my expectations. That's so awesome. Isn't yeah. that interesting how like when it comes to seeing your first show of your fair band, you can have like the most specific memories. Like I, I love that anecdote about him being on flu medicine. That's so funny. The first time yeah. I saw Opeth, um, I was with my shitty ex-boyfriend and I remember he got mad at me for sitting down during a song. So um yeah, <laughs> they're, long, they're long songs. In your defense, I mean, come on, they're like fourteen minutes long. But anyway, I, I can imagine this band being extremely fun live. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah, but uh, so okay. So the first thing that struck me about this song, the first track on the album, "Arming Eritrea," is just so in your face. And having not heard this band before, I was kind of like prepared for like, okay, so the whole album is going to be like this, but. It wasn't like every song is so different, but it still works together so cohesively as a whole album. 
Um, and it's I like I listen to this album because it's much easier to listen to this album many times than it is to listen to Orchid because this album is way shorter. <laughs> but yeah, I listen like three songs. Yeah, it's <laughs> this is a great album to listen to. Like I listened to it probably like five times. It's so catchy. I cannot like these hooks are just un- unbelievably catchy, and it's very British. Like these ly- the lyrics are just. I don't, I, you, you know what I mean? Like, they're just... Yeah, he's very, just, like, kind of acidic and kind of a, that kind of weird, like... I mean, he's Welsh, so he'd probably get offended if we called him British, but... Um, <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, very, very like, acerbic and, you know, yeah, sarcastic and kind of... Um, yeah, there are definitely lyrics that you can tell I think he puts a lot of time into. Definitely. And it's, it's, it's not like he's kind of um, making statements about, like, large political issues or anything like that. It's more just like commentary on these kind of, um, I don't know, inconsequential things about life. Like one of my favorite songs in the album is um, uh, You Need Satan More Than He Needs You, which is, it's like, I I read the lyrics and it seems to be just like about a Satanist who's trying to deal with like trying to balance being a Satanist, like a hardcore Satanist with just like the perils of everyday life, like having to find a babysitter and like, oh, you're going to have this crazy satanic sex orgy, but it started to rain. And like, (laughs) (laughs) like, I I just, I, I love how goofy it is, but it's not, it's not like a joke band by any measure. It's like these, these songs really are like, they really stand on their own, like, L- lyrically and and musically, I mean, the music is the musicianship is just so tight. Like I was thinking while I was listening to this, it, it's funny that you mentioned seeing them live, because I was thinking about how awesome they must be live. Because whenever you see bands that are so tight and so like on point, they're just the best to see live. You know what I mean? Like some some. I mean, granted, it, it's a ven- a shitty venue could could uh, ruin ruin a band. It's not always the band's fault, but. Some bands are just better than others, and um, the the musicianship is just so so tight here. It's, yeah, uh, they're, it's, yeah, they're incredibly tight, and like it's kind of well. Maybe we should uh, we should probably play some for people too. Here's oh, definitely. Thing. Oh, so a lot of the um, uh, time stamps that I pulled were from the outros of the song because I I noticed that it's like characteristic of a lot of these songs to have an outro that's kind of different from the rest of the song, but still works really well and kind of calls back to earlier parts of the song. So if we're just want to go in chrono- chronological order, um, the last part of Arming Eritrea, the outro there. Um, yeah. And I'll just say that like, this is honestly the the end of this song is probably one of my like favorite minutes of like rock music, like ever recorded. I just, think it's, <laughs> like, it's so it just gets me so like amped. Awesome. I love it. Oh, yeah, it's just unbelievable. It's so punchy. Also, I, I, I was just trying to think of it in terms of like how it compares to Orchid. And it, it's so funny that like, even though Orchid's a metal album and this is more of, um, I don't know, I guess more of a rock album. I, I don't know the specific genre uh, you would categorize it as. I don't know, like post-punk or punk. I don't know. I mean, okay, yeah. It's not, not punk in like the idea of like Green Day or something. Sure. But, I mean, <laughs> It's it's just so much more aggressive than than Orchid is, e- even though it's not the metal album. It's 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 not angry, but it's just very aggressive. 
and very yeah. yeah it's 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 so so cool and i feel like every song um has this like ribbon around it it's like perfect little package and those outros are just so on point all the time um one of one of my favorite songs on the album um aside from um you need satan more than he needs you is the hope that house built yes i love that one i love it oh my god it's it's like a groovy sea shanty it's so cool it's so creative and you wouldn't think it would be good hearing like a sea shanty but it's so catchy and it has some of my favorite lyrics of the album um jason i don't know if you want to pull up that uh timestamp from the hope that house built but he says turn around face our deepest fears reimagine god as just a mental illness looming towards the end of our days I love it. It's so catchy. The lyrics are just so, so awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it's kind of social commentary in a way, but it's not like super obviously you know, political or sometimes mm, when bands mm. try to do that, I think it kind of falls flat, but he's very, you know, I think he brings up things in, in kind of a sarcastic or kind of like elliptical kind of way. Sure. Yeah. You could tell, um, and Andrew Falcus is, uh, obviously a really smart guy. I mean, these are really witty lyrics. Um, yeah. So throwing, yeah, oh, ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say throwing bricks at trains, um, is, a, a, another really awesome song. I feel like every song I'm going to say is my favorite song, but it, it's it's really it's really fun, and I love that like there are these characters in this song that are never really explained and just kind of exist within the world of this little song. And it, it seems to be about and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be about these two guys who just throw bricks at trains <laughs> and they seem to be like army veterans or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, it's almost kind of like a weird, like world war one kind of vibe, but I've, I've never, honestly, I've never quite, sometimes these songs, like I like them a lot and I try to mm-hmm. think about them, but I never, I don't know if I ever get to like definitively, this is what it's about. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all open to interpretation, but it just seems like kind of more literal because it does seem to be telling a story about these two guys. And the last part of the song is so fun. Um, Jason, I don't know if you want to pull that up again. I keep going to the outros, but the outros are just so banging on this album. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. And that, that background, ah, is like a throwback yep. to what's going on in the early part of the song. And it, it just, again, it just like, it works so well together and it's just a perfect little package. Yeah, and I was actually thinking about that when I was listening to Opeth is that, I mean, they're very different bands in oh, many yeah. ways. But they, I think Future of the Left, even though their songs are very, you know, kind of tight and compact, in the same way that Opeth kind of always throws like a curveball, I always think they're sort of, you know, usually a punk song is kind of like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, mm-hmm. verse, chorus, end. You know, like I think in every song they throw kind of either lots of times it's the end of the song or like a bridge that's sort of something, an unexpected part. It's mm-hmm. kind of not not just the same as the the main part. So I, I think in a, in a weird way, they the same way Opeth kind of always throws like a few curveballs 
in every song. I think that they kind of do that in a very like, except it only take like 20 seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. What is your favorite song on this album? If you had to choose one, man, they're really good. Um, you actually picked out, those. <laughs> I, I just think they're, they're all pretty good. And it's a solid album. But man, Arming Eritrea just is like an opening statement mm. on a record for a band that's so, you know, so like breakneck and relentless. And, and I, when I saw them, I believe they opened with that song as well. And it just kind of like, I, I think that kind of typifies what they're about. Um, Can we- I think uh, y- what Yin, um, post Yin, mm-hmm. or I like that one a lot. Um, but I mean, they're all pretty good. It's, it, I, I just feel like it's from front to back. It's a, a very solid album. I hate to yeah. take us- I had to take us back. Could we play the intro, <clears throat> excuse me, of Arming Eritrea? Because it's it really sets the tone of the whole album sure. uh, for me. Like just like the opening line. You'll hear what I mean. Yeah, totally. Sorry, it has a longer lead in than I thought, but it's good. Fun rhythms. you know it goes from there but the the reason i play that is because what you guys were saying about there being like these little characters that pop up throughout the album mm-hmm. like it's set right off the bat he like the opening line is come on rick i'm not a child like <laughs> what kind of story is he telling with that song and like immediately that phrase in that like drunks uh like that that smoker's cough of a, of mm-hmm. a line just sets that whole sardonic funny tone right from the front Totally. And I, I don't want to just skip to the end and we'll definitely explore the uh, the middle parts more. But the last, I feel like it's bookended so well too because Arming Eritrea is such a fucking like loud, awesome way to announce the album. And then the last song, Lapsed Catholics, I feel is like the perfect complement to that. It, it just bookends the album so beautifully. And Jason, if you want to pull up the like last um, last part of Lapsed Catholics, it's, I, it, it's like... Uh, the same part as the intro, but it just kind of like fades out a little bit and it's it sounds really awesome. It's perfect, perfect final song. cool to hear that uh, right after hearing the first part of Army Eritrea. I just love that contrast. Yeah. I think he, he almost like redid the same riff but in like sort of a major key mm, on acoustic or something. I think. I don't know. I mean Jason, you, you're better with music theory than I am. It's but. pretty close. It's hard to tell because that's like almost a classical guitar sound like nylon strings. Like a very quaint mm. you would imagine a, a, like a learner on that guitar. It's a really cute way to end a really, I guess, angry sassy album. <laughs> it is sassy. <laughs> Yeah, it's very sassy, actually. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's a, I, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and I guess part of the reason, too, you know, not to get too grandiose or whatever, but, um, you know, th- there's been a lot of underground and punk music that, that's meant a lot to me mm-hmm. uh, in my life, and it kind of bums me out in a certain respect that 
what if you ask a, a normal person on the street that if what punk is is you know like Green Day or you know whatever shit bands played Warp Tour in like two thousand and six, that's or something like that. You know what Charlotte, I mean? so, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And like, because to me, this is more actually what I what I to, I think punk is is sort of like the sort of the anger, but not necessarily just these kind of canned kind of song structures and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, totally. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like, I don't know, I'm not super, super familiar with punk. I, I went through a punk phase when I was a kiddo, um, but I was mainly listening to like the distillers, you know what I mean? Um, but it, it most of what I think of when I think of punk rock um, is more of like, like you exactly like you described, like the pop punk stuff. So I'm, I'm definitely guilty of perpetuating that. But yeah, it's a lot of it feels really contrived, but then it's nice to know that there's this like core that's really genuine and, and just doing this awesome kind of almost experimental stuff and re- really smartly done. It's not just like, ah, oh, I'm angry at you, mom, kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, totally. Bianca, is doom punk a thing? I don't know if doom punk is a um, thing. <laughs> there's a there's a crust punk band called Doom. Um that sorry, crust sort of punk? Cru- crust punk? Is that a genre? It is um, a genre. I've heard of it. Yeah, that. like Ooh. crust punk, you know, like this is very Minneapolis, but you know the West Bank? Yeah. Do you ever see those guys with like they have kind of like oh, uh, studs on their stuff. baseball hats and like, you know, cut off jeans jackets with patches on it and like dogs on ropes and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, you know? A genre of music is good when you describe it by describing what the people wear. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, the crust crusties are kind of like, you know, those kind of quasi homeless kind of punk dudes. Like, like, face bats and, things like that. Um, and but yeah, the crust punk, crust punk actually though, you know, actually did factor into, um, it goes back to maybe the UK in the early eighties that, and some of those bands like discharge, um, kind of actually influenced some bands like Slayer and kind of the the speed of some of the stuff that became black metal. I think some of the early black metal bands like Discharge and some of those bands. So it, it, some of it's kind of metalish almost at a, a certain point. Hmm. Awesome. But it's not, it, but without a lot of the stuff you probably like, you know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. the straight up like blast kind of thing with no like dynamics or anything, you know? Sure. Yeah, sure. But that's worth, another, maybe worth yeah, that's out. another, maybe a pivot point to talking about uh future of the left again is that, is this a three piece or a four piece band? Three piece, three piece band that gets a lot of sound, a lot of dynamics out of the basic like compositional structure that they have. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's kind of almost, uh, it almost has kind of a, like a clockwork thing. Like these, like, they're very simple parts in and of themselves, like that each each person is playing, but they kind of have this real precision of how they're put together and that the, the way that they all interact is sort of this mm. like like machine like just kind of very precise and like heavy kind of thing. And um, I think it's it's kind of it's not the same type of musicianship that like Opeth has, you know what I mean? Which is sort of very, you know, they're just very expansive and they have a lot of range and stuff. But I think in their in their own kind of limited way. It, it, it's like it's like really hard to play that tight, you know what I mean, and that and that relentless, mm. and still be melodic and still you know have hooks and things like that. Yeah, wow! Like I'm surprised it's only three people. That that makes it even more impressive to hear that they're so good live. Yeah, they were. They like I, I don't know if they're touring. I mean, I guess nobody's touring now, so who knows? Mm. But, um, but yeah, no, they're I, they they're a great live band, and and if you have if they hopefully you know things will eventually allow for live music again and and they'll come back but i would highly i would it, hope so. eventually <laughs> I, hope yeah, this I, don't know. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a real bummer i've had a couple of shows i was excited about that aren't gonna 
I was going to take my mom to the Eagles. That was her Christmas present. Oh, was oh like, nice. Yeah. It's like her favorite band. And me and my sister got tickets and spent not an insignificant amount oh, of money sure. on the Eagles. Holy shit. Um, but yeah, so it's not going to happen, which is kind of a bummer. I think they're going to reschedule it. But anyway, so I don't know. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, I was very impressed by this album. It almost um, it compels me to want to go check out uh, McCluskey, some of the earlier stuff to see like where it evolved from. Um, and check out their. Uh, this is what their second album. I thought I, I read their yeah, sophomore they album. Have, they have other ones. They they've gotten um, they got a little more experimental later with like more synthesizers and some stuff like that. Um, but still, definitely have the same identity. As far as McCluskey, um, McCluskey do Dallas is like very much like their classic album that kind of put them on the map. And how do you how do you think of them like compared to Future of the Left? What is how how is that sound different? Um. I mean, they're they're similar in that you know he definitely has his persona and vibe. Um, I would say they're a little not quite so tight, tightly put together, uh-huh. and they kind of maybe some songs are almost a little more like indie rock at points, and then some songs are almost more like punk punk. But um, you know, I think if you if you like what he does, mm-hmm. he's kind of one of those people. I think that you'll like McCluskey equally. Awesome. Well, I, again, I, I thank you so much for the suggestion. Um, I'm I'm. I really, really like this album. I'm definitely going to be listening to it more and uh, going to go through their discography. So, Yeah, and likewise, I mean, Opeth, you know, is a name that I knew, but I had not checked out. And I mean, it's hard not to come away um, just impressed by, you know, their ambition, especially the, the fact that it's a first album mm-hmm. is, is kind of really mind-blowing to me because, you know, most bands take at least one or two albums to really build up to something like that. And to them, totally. you know, even, even on the first song on their first album, you know, it's like, wow, you guys... They came. They meant business, I guess. Yeah, actually, I'm. I'm curious. What is your favorite, um, like, era of music, just in terms of years? You know, I. I know a lot of people mm. are nostalgic for the '90s and stuff. Um, but I'm curious where where your opinion is on that. Boy, I don't. That's that's kind of hard for me. I mean, you know, certainly the '90s were like impactful for me. You know what mm. I mean? Obviously, in a lot of ways. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you know. I think. We we talked about last week, like just certain things that my dad really liked, um, like Creedence Clearwater Revival mm. and the Rolling Stones, and some of that. I think c- certain things when you're a child, you know what I mean, that you hear, sure. or you sort of first. In- so some of that late '60s kind of classic rock stuff. A lot of that is is super important to me, just because it was sort of my idea of what music or rock music even was. You know, that's so funny. I, you and I have similar uh, similar origins there. My dad was always playing classic rock in the in the car. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So even so honestly, Kenny Rogers died, and um, that really brought me. My mom was like a huge fan, so mm. I have a lot of memories of like when I was a little kid, like my mom playing like The Gambler, and and she had a record like Kenny Rogers Greatest Hits and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace to Kenny, man. Uh... Rest in peace, Kenny. Um, my mom just listened to a lot of Anita Baker. So, <laughs> ooh, that's smooth though. That's not that's like the Quiet Storm. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Does, does that mean, Bianca, that your uh, general like preference of decade of music is approximately the same, or where where are you at? Well, you know. Uh, just being in the car with my dad, he would just play like the classic rock station. But as far as my personal opinion, I feel like the mid nineties was, was prime, prime music time because I mean, not only did you have amazing stuff happening with like the hard rock and Alice in Chains and all that stuff, but just the metal scene was 
like some of my favorite bands got started then, you know, Meshuggah uh, with Destroy Race, uh, Improve, Um, Death, I mentioned earlier, is one of my favorite bands, Nevermore, uh, you know, just so much awesome stuff coming out of that time. I I feel like it was a time where all these people that grew up on that stuff from the 60s and grew up on Sabbath and grew up with all these different influences were starting to, you know, become of age where they can kind of have their own bands and experiment. And it, uh, it just led to some really awesome creative stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I was probably more of the age where, like, you know, I was, I was super into stuff like Metallica and, you know, Anthrax and stuff mm. like that. And, then, you know, Nirvana, like, which would have been my young high school days or late junior. Yeah. Like, anyway, hearing Nirvana for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, this is like, I love this, you know. So <laughs> it kind of changed. Like, it felt like metal kind of went away for a, a minute there. Yeah, totally. In, in, in mass, in the mass culture. Yeah, I mean, there was a... Probably- there was a big like um, scene where people would just exchange cassettes. Like they put uh, little ads in like the metal zines and just be like, "Hey, I'll send you a bunch of cassettes if you send me a bunch of cassettes." And that's how a lot of like these networks of, of um, bands would just show off their stuff and gain fans. And yeah, it was happening. Yeah. It was bubbling up in the underground, but yeah, it certainly wasn't very mainstream, except for like Metallica and you know maybe Megadeth yeah. and stuff. And so. then then there was some of that stuff that I like. I kind of dug like the more kind of stoner, like desert, like Caius. Oh, I love Caius. Like, oh, that was basically bands. for listeners. That was Queens of the Stone Age. Josh Homme was in that band prior to Queens of the Stone Age, and then like Sleep. Oh, um, I love Sleep. Have you ever yeah. heard Ohm? It's it's the same. It's this guys from Sleep, but it's like this Eastern influenced, very very like evocative of the desert and stuff. It's it's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I did a lot of that stuff. Like, there's Southern Lord records, like Sun O, which mm. I almost kind of like. Sun O is like, have you ever heard them? They're like, oh, I love Sun. I've seen them live. Yeah. It's just oh, crushing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that kind of stuff, which intersected more with like the punk scene, I think, like that type of metal, you know, mm. or like today is the day, bands like that. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was an interesting time. I mean, the '90s it was just a lot of different scenes and, and things popping up, and, and then obviously hip hop at that time. I'm a huge rap fan. And there was so much stuff going on with with rap as well at that point that, that sure. was very I- I- important to me at, at least. Awesome. So, well, this has been awesome. This is uh, I'm glad we did this. I think we've got yeah. a couple uh, community questions to go through if y'all are up to it. Uh, thank you, producer. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, baby. Uh, so, if everybody's good. Uh, yeah. Knocking Nick, thank you for the question. Knocking Nick asks, "What was the latest genre of music that you were introduced to that you ended up liking?" For me personally, I've recently uh, really started to enjoy some Brit pop, in particular suede. Hmm, Brit pop. Uh, have you ever heard of the Coral? That's a good Brit pop thing. I, I think they're British. Oh, no, no. Um, they're they're fun. Uh, I I don't know if they're still around, but they're, they're awesome. Um, I, I, uh, for me, I guess you would classify it as kind of electronic music, but I recently started listening to Grimes. I know she's really popular, but, um, it's, it's very new to me and, uh, I've just been really enjoying it, like unashamed and, and just embracing it. It's kind of like dark and sludgy and there's some really cool stuff going on. And the fact that it's just kind of a one woman show is really awesome. Um, I don't know what you, uh, Matt. Are you familiar with Grimes? Um, I, yeah, somewhat. I mean, I, I remember like Visions when that came out. Um, uh-huh. I listened to that a bit. I'm not like a you know a super fan, but I've, I've definitely listened to her stuff on like Spotify here and there. Yeah, so I, I guess just some electronic stuff. I, I guess that's what I would classify her as. She's very like internet. I think internet music. You know, internet I music. Like, <laughs> I just feel like she's kind of like a lot of 
you know, a kid that kind of grew up fully on the internet, you know mm. what I mean? It just has like a lot of almost kind of like video game music or Japanese stuff mixed with like pop definitely. And, and like more goth and industrial stuff. So it's, yeah, she's, she's definitely, I mean, she's married to Elon or, or having Elon Musk's kid or whatever. So yeah, she's doing well. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I'd say for me, it's not really necessarily the genre. Um, cause I always have liked jazz, but, um, in recent years, I think people kind of tend to think of jazz. Um, I don't want to say as a museum music, but you know, there's always like Miles Davis and Duke Ellington and Charles Mingus and people from the you know fifties and sixties and forties mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, there's actually some some really cool young artists in jazz right now, um, and I mean, I say like jazz young, so like thirty eight. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um like <laughs> there's a uh, like Kamasi Washington, um Micaiah McCraven, uh uh Jeff Parker, um a guy named Shabaka Hutchings. Um and a, there's a ton of stuff in London right now for jazz. Um Shabaka has um The Comet is coming, uh, Sons of Comet and some other bands, but um these are all guys that kind of I, I think they definitely are jazz musicians and fully jazz musicians, but they also grew up you know they're younger, so they grew up with hip hop. Uh-huh. A lot of the Brit- the British guys really grew up in the age of, you know, the '90s of you know raves and electronic music and, and techno and stuff like that. So they they kind of um, they're doing jazz music, but they they bring in a lot of I think more modern influences in a cool way. Um, and it's just kind of cool to see some some sort of cool action going on in a genre that a lot of people I think of is sort of more, you know, a, a music of the past. Salt peanuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, Caleb Murray says, hello, Mintrex. Well, hello, Caleb Murray. Hey. Uh, hey. What are some of your favorite one-two punch song combos where there is a song and then the next song on the, on the album flows really well into one another and are meant to complement each other? Uh, and he compliments Bianca's choice on Orchid. Oh, well, thank you, Caleb. Uh, to go back to my brother's band, Thank You Scientist, um, in their last album, Terraformer, the final two tracks are New Moon and Terraformer, the title track. And they just flow so perfectly into one another. And New Moon is just this awesome, like, it's like a two-minute kind of like a prelude to Terraformer. And it's got the um, the Iru, the Japanese violin, and, and it's just this beautiful, beautiful song. And it goes right into this just the most bonkers fretless song you could possibly imagine where it, Tommy actually made it sound like a dial up internet connection um, during the chorus <laughs> on his guitar. It just sounds really awesome. You have to hear both those songs side by side. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, we'll we recommend everyone checks out. Thank you scientist. Um, I'm trying to think my answer, I guess uh, one that comes to mind is um, an album that I really like a lot. It was very influential to me at the time that it came out. Uh, okay. Computer by Radiohead, which is airbag into paranoid android mm-hmm. um and i think those two just like it's airbags this kind of really soaring modern rock song into this kind of more like you know dark prog rock kind of song and i, I always thought those worked really well to kind of set the tone for that album totally uh, yeah that album's awesome jason what about you Ooh, that's a good question um <laughs> uh i have given a little bit of thought to this one and i i guess the most recent and most salient one is um I really like the band Pup, a Canadian uh, p- uh, punk band. They're more punk than pop, but a little bit pop. Uh, and on their second to most recent album, um, it's called uh, "The Dream Is Over." On their their the like beginning track is sort of a 
uh, a rollicking good time of of punk and then it ends on this really like slow crashing cymbals and then immediately just a punch into the second track called dvp i wish i had had it queued up because it would be really fun to call out uh, here specifically but it's there's no break no snap just a straight punch into this next song which is qu- significantly faster than the last song ended so it's just a great way to like avoid the dip between the intro song and the rest of the album by just flowing right back into it it's super good that sounds awesome. And just by the way, I want to clarify, if you heard snoring, that wasn't me snoring. My dog is snoring. I don't know if the mic picked that up. I <laughs> just, just want to let you know I'm not, <laughs> not snoring. We were, in, we were in video chat earlier and Bianca's dog is adorable. <laughs> it's unbelievably cute. He's a real cutie. Good old gizmo. Okay. Well, uh, May's book asks, um, what was the per- first piece of music that you felt you discovered completely on your own and loved? For, for May's book, it was a 10-second clip of Genesis's 1973 live album they caught uh, while watching a documentary on TV. Wow. That's a, that's a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. Damn. You know what? Uh, I, I had an answer in mind for the song, but that, that answer actually inspires a different one. So Ooh. Dan and I... We, we watched these old like wrestling promo videos <laughs> and um, like from the 80s and the, the 90s and stuff. And they're as absurd as you can possibly imagine. But um, they're this, this one uh, wrestling tag team called the Fabulous Ones. And they're like these two kind of like cowboys. <laughs> I, remember, I remember those guys. Yeah. Yeah. You remember they're kind of like they, like they wear a lot of denim. They seem to be in like Vegas a lot. But anyway, in one of their promo videos, um, there is this song. And the song goes, give your love to a cowboy man. He's going to love you as hard as he can can. And as you can imagine, (laughs) this tickled me. And I was desperate to find out who made this song. And it turned out to be this band, this Australian band called the Scat Brothers or the Scat Bros. And if you go on YouTube and look up the video for the Scat Bros, Life at the Outpost um, is the name of the song. Uh, there's a bunch of attractive men singing the song, but that's not actually the band. They apparently outsourced it. It was like a um, uh, It's Raining Men situation where the people in the music video weren't actually the people singing it kind of thing. Um, but the entire album is actually a really, really awesome <laughs> album. And I never would have found it out if it wasn't for this wrestling promo. But check out Scat Brothers. I, I want to say the album is called um, Life at the Outpost. <laughs> I could be wrong, but wow. yeah, it, it's, it's really, really fun. And it's it's so groovy. And it's got like a lot of synthy stuff going on. It, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought about this and I was, I was trying to think back. And this is be going back to as a very, very young child. And... Uh, I don't know if it's on the radio or, or, or MTV, but uh, Joan Jett, I Love Rock and Roll, a song by Joan Jett. And I just, I heard it in the guitar tone and that's like really cutting, really overdriven. And it just seemed like very raw compared to everything else that I would hear like kind of on the radio as we were driving around or whatever. It just seemed so heavy to me. Mm-hmm. I was very attracted to that song. And her, vo- you know, her vocals are just very kind of raw. And, and I don't know. She, and she just looked really cool when I finally saw the video um, at my friend's house. Um, yeah, I don't know. There was something very odd about her that that just kind of like captured my imagination. That yeah, that's awesome. So, She's awesome. That's that's a groovy song. That's such a catchy yeah. song. And actually, there's a there's a great documentary about her uh, on Netflix right now um, that you can watch. And, and her whole story is is really awesome. So check that out if you're not familiar with her. Cool. All right. 
Let's jump into the next and final question from Bob Buell. Where do each of you find your limits on musical tastes? Uh, for example, can a metal song go too hard or too loud or not be up your alley? Uh, or if a hip hop song gets too mumbly, does that go on your not for me list? Or is it just on a case by case basis all the time? Um, well, for me, I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I, I don't like when metal is just all loud all the time. You know what I mean? Like I could never get into like Cannibal Corpse or something like oh, that. Yeah. But like um, like Death, for example, I love Death. And when people hear the band Death, they probably think like, oh, that's got to be so brutal. But Death is one of those bands that, um, you know, just by sheer, you know, natural creativity of, of the uh, songwriter Chuck Schullender, it's just this like amalgam of all these different sounds and contrasting parts and stuff like that. And it, it got, as the albums were released, it got more and more progressive sounding, but um, yeah, it, uh, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely would say that I draw a hard line when it comes to like, just that guttural nonstop, brutal death metal i okay. cannot get into that uh yeah. coming to mind is a band that my brother and i used to listen to as a joke called uh job for a cowboy i don't know if you know the name uh, you know i've heard of them but I've, i don't think i've ever heard them honestly i based on your description of what you do like i think you're better off not okay. <laughs> uh, it, it is just that constant just sort of a, a a hum of sound coming from the vocalists and you know it's it's a style it's a it's a skill i guess you do practice doing it but it's just definitely not in in my wheelhouse personally yeah the vocals just all sound like burping i just hate it <laughs> <laughs> yeah some of that stuff gets kind of yeah crazy actually uh, uh, three friends of mine are in a band i'm gonna give them a shout out total fucking blood um their album their their debut album blaze the lord i think it's eight songs and i swear to god that thing is 13 minutes long Wait, is this is this the one with like the baphomet on the we, front yes we listened to that all the way to iowa on a business trip you and i <laughs> it's like it's like 15 to, minutes so jason but we read but it, it like four like, times it's like your brain melting. It was, like it was wild. It was just, it was almost cacophony. It was very good, but very novelty. Yeah. Wow. There are a lot. Um, I guess for me, um, I, I, I agree with Bianca that it does hit a certain point to me when, um, I guess when there's no dynamics to metal, I feel mm. like you kind of need to contrast a heavy part. And then sometimes, it, sometimes the speed of like the super fast stuff, like some of the black metal stuff I've heard, it almost doesn't feel that heavy to me because mm -hmm. it almost feels as this kind of like waspy, kind of like buzzing kind of thing. Oh, uh, that buzzsaw sound, yeah. Yeah, that kind of <laughs> kind of deal. Um, and then you know he mentions rap, and you know I'm a big uh, rap fan, and obviously you know the music in especially the last five years has changed a lot. And I really try to guard against like the grumpy old man kind of syndrome mm -hmm. that a lot of rap fans have, you know, because uh, you know. It's not for me. I'm a dad. You know what I mean? These kids are like 17. <laughs> sure. Um, but, I, you know, there's some of that's definitely, I've checked out a lot of that stuff, like, you know, Juice World, Rest in Peace, um, you know, 21 Savage, or some of those people. And some of, the, some of them are good, but yeah, a lot of that, like the kind of what you would call SoundCloud rap or Lil Uzi Vert kind of stuff is, is not necessarily my scene, but, um, you know they're taking the music in different directions and uh you know kids today like they're they're responding to it so i think that's cool but um it's just probably just my, not my bag personally so matt i'm not really familiar with rap but i like when when i occasionally watch snl there'll be like a rap artist performing and i think it's a kind of like a lot of that mumbly stuff is that what you're talking about like when I they think, mumble uh i think recently the baby was on 
I remember the baby. Yeah, to baby. Yeah, to baby. Yeah. Um, Are you talking about? Yeah, that that kind of stuff. I mean, I'd say that's the like he's very big. I mean, that's like you know Juice World who recently passed away is very big. Um, You know, kind of Chief Key for you know Lil Uzi Vert, Lil Yachty, and stuff like that. Lil Yachty. The kind of you know the stuff that kind of auto tune kind of like sings sing song oh, sure. kind of stuff. Oh sure, yeah, sure. Um, which isn't totally my bag. I mean, I certainly like there's a lot of new rappers I do like. Um, like Denzel Curry is pretty good. Um, I don't know, but yeah, it, it, it sometimes is a little incoherent for me, I guess, because mm. I can't really necessarily make out the the strict like lyrics and timing of it, but. I don't know. I think I'm just getting old too. You know what I mean? So well, not necessarily. Okay. Your your opinion is still perfectly <laughs> valid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it, it is what it is. So, mm. but yeah, I would say that the mumble rap stuff is not totally uh, hasn't really spoken to me so much. So, gotcha. All right. Uh, well, then I think it might be time for our community song of the week. Y'all ready? I'm ready for it. All right. Uh, in the interest of expanding musical horizons, uh, I took a suggestion from Logan Garcia. Uh, it is by a band, ca- a Mongolian band, sorry, called The Who, the H-U. Uh, and it, <laughs> it, it is, I don't know if they're aware of the pun, but it's a very good pun. Uh, and it is a song called The Great Chinggis Khan. I'm going to play from the middle of the song. You should know that there's about three minutes of almost constant buildup in this in this song because it is um, largely, the melody is uh, Tibetan throat singing. Okay. Wow, Okay. So obviously heavily metal influenced, uh, heavy, heavily heavy influenced, <laughs> uh, but also with like a distinctly Eastern vibe that uh, main instrument. I'm not exactly wor- sure what it's called, but I think like Bianca mentioned, I think it's uh, very akin to an ear who um, that just has that very airy light sound juxtaposed alongside the the very deep bassy throaty singing and you should check out the music video for this song if you don't i'll probably link it in the show notes because it is very fun in sort of a lower budget music video kind of way where it's a lot of green screen and a lot of costuming that's just great that's cool it kind of reminds me of ramstein a little bit oh yeah a little bit yeah i can hear that totally yeah i think there's i think the weird thing that's going on is like you assume if it was it was another group those vocals you would assume were like heavily processed or like Mm -hmm. distorted but it's. I think that's actually them. Yeah, like, wow. that's, that's throat singing is that kind of like, kind of grindy yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I thought you were about to give us an example. <laughs> no, I, I you know what, I almost did for one second. I backed <laughs> this out is of your that. stage. Uh, no, the pull the ripcord on that one. It definitely is. Like uh, there are videos of these folks performing live. Like they've been given, you know, um, the the gri- the highest artistic honor of Mongolia for what they've done for bringing Mongolian culture around the world. It's just a really interesting song, I think, and not completely dissimilar to uh, a little bit of the music we've been listening to today. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a really cool suggestion. Uh, I'm definitely going to check that out. That's that's very interesting. Just, I'm just kinda, 
The who? The H U? The who? Uh, the name wasn't taken, so they just they went with it. The, the SEO on that's got to be crazy. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, if you have, if I guess listeners, if anybody's interested in uh, sharing a new song with us, uh, we pick one every week uh, from the post that is put up on the MinMax Patreon, and uh, give us your questions there and drop a song suggestion. It, at the very worst, it's added to a community playlist that we upload with each um, episode, so that you can uh, listen to what your to what your fellow MinMax uh, audience is listening to and at best maybe we'll feature it on the show and talk about it a, a little bit like we just did with the who and at worst you die <laughs> should we wow. just end there yeah let's dark james yeah. is gonna come to your house in the middle of the night <laughs> wow you'll hear the slowly increasing volume of a song but it's not going to get loud <laughs> enough to actually wake you up it's going to be just <laughs> underneath the acceptable volume wow I didn't see it going in this direction, but <laughs> it's been good. Bianca, this has been so much fun. Um, and thanks so much for doing this. It's really great. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me, Matt and Jason. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love uh, talking about my favorite music. And thank you for introducing me to this band that probably otherwise wouldn't have heard. And um, thank you, Ben, for starting MinMax. I think of Ben as kind of this, the mayor of this really awesome community. Who Can I just yeah. say anecdotally, I stuck my head in the Discord and what they say about the community being really nice, it's not an exaggeration. Like a whole welcoming committee greeted me as soon as I popped my head in there for one second. I was like yeah. overwhelmed with kindness. So um, that's uh, MinMax, two ends. Support them on Patreon. Um, thank you guys so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. And, and make sure to check out Painting the Stream, uh, Bianca's podcast. Uh, we Once again, thank you so much for the support so much uh you know for listening to the show uh we hope you enjoy it and obviously you know with everything going on we hope you're all safe we hope you're all you know staying home and listening to podcasts and um you know we'll see we'll see what where we're at in another couple weeks so everyone take care and uh this has been min tracks <laughs> <laughs>